0: For it was you who formed my inmost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. It's intimate, isn't it? The work of God in every human being. I just returned from Hawaii visiting my nephews. There are three of them, so pray for my brother and sister-in-law. And there's a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a four-month-old. So they're in the thick of it. Now, of course, I love these boys. They're my nephews. But as I was reflecting on this 139th Psalm, it just became so clear the details in each of us. The details in each and every one of my nephews, absolutely precious. And not precious in a like, aren't they so cute kind of way, though they are. Um, but precious in a your presence transforms the world kind of way. In a who will you become kind of way, precious. Uh, Sterling, the oldest, looks like he was born to step on a surfboard. He's got these long silver blonde locks that look totally righteous. And uh, he's super smart. He loves to learn and he kind of blows our mind when he starts talking about megalodons or drops words like bioluminescence he's four Um, (laughs) and he loves to climb in fact he never crawled he just went straight to walking so he keeps his parents on his toes but Salem the two-year-old very different he is completely driven by food um, which is something that we share and um, he is a little brute, I mean, he is feisty. He has been wearing the same Spider-Man costume for the past three months. No, literally every day, it smells like boy sweat. It's disgusting. He's convinced that one day he is going to be called upon to save the world. And then Soren, well, he got his name because he didn't even make it to the hospital. He was born into his daddy's hands on the side of the sidewalk, right along the highway. And he smiles more than either of the other boys did at his age, just full of smiles and his eyes are big and green like the ocean. All three of them are conspicuously alike, yet stunningly different each bearing the marks of the family that they come from and the God who whispered into them the breath of life. And for who among us is this not true? Which of us does not display the creative workmanship of the one who is beyond our capacity to fathom? Our personality quirks display the intricate thumbprint of the divine now people ask me all the time what my favorite part of this job is and without even skipping a beat I say oh that's easy kids night hands down it's the best night of my month because for one night of the month I get to just simply be with the children of this congregation we sit together on the floor right here next to a tent and we tell stories. They tell me about their week. We ask questions about Jesus. We wonder together about the big questions of the world. Calvin uh, has his mom texting me pictures of the Lego creations that he makes. And Eliana and I bond over our mutual love of sea turtles. Ethan uh, greets me by playing the Star Wars theme downstairs on the piano while Samantha helps Beth set up for craft time. Noah has designed a suggestion box so that the kids can tell me their hopes for our church space. And last week I received a note that said there should be snacks during children time, um, specifically Doritos and yellow Gatorade. So I don't know who takes care of those things, but take note. The tapestry of our church is woven thicker and brighter, With every child, every human being among us, we are gifts to one another to be celebrated, to be cherished, to be loved, to be respected, to be protected. Interspersed throughout um, Elisa's sermon. So 549, just verse 2. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. It's my favorite hymn. Always has been. And he asked me to sing it for his wedding day and I am excited. I'm excited for this new chapter that is unfolding in his life, honored to participate in his special day. I get up, I stand in front of all of his friends and family, and I sing out the words that have been with me for as long as I can remember. After the ceremony, I meet him in the receiving line to offer my congratulations to him and his new bride. He gives me a big hug. Suddenly, it's as if I'm in a vacuum. My chest drops to my stomach. My throat goes dry. Images have flooded my mind instantaneously uninvited but crisp and clear images of the two of us memories I had somehow forgotten until this very moment my body goes stiff awkwardly out of a sense of some kind of social obligation I turn to his wife and against all of my instincts offer her my congratulations i walk away confused it's as if a filing cabinet had opened in my brain that had been locked for years i don't speak the entire ride home. I sit in the back of the van as scenes flash across my consciousness I had not remembered. Except I do remember. Images on the tip of my mind like a forgotten word on the tip of the tongue. I wonder to myself They be real? No, they couldn't be real. How could they be real? Why would I not have remembered them before now? But I do remember them. They've been there, tucked away somewhere, but present. And now each memory sits paradoxically inside of me, both strange and familiar at the same time. And I can't help but be filled with questions. Where was everyone? How could I have been alone with him on these days that were so full of people? Didn't anybody notice both of us were missing? What am I supposed to do with this information now that so much time has passed? Years have passed. I have been naive. I thought that there were safe places. I imagined that place was safe. I imagine there were good people and bad people, that there were maybe a few monsters in the world and that they had tells something so that you could notice they were there. You know, in the movies it's the music or the camera angle. In the movies there is justice, an end to the story, but I don't live in a movie. We don't live in a movie. Today, I share my story as an act of solidarity, standing with anyone who has experienced harm at the hands of another, acknowledging that abuse happens in all kinds of places. Abuse happens in church spaces. I share my story as a lamentation But according to the CDC, half of the female population and a third of the male population experience sexual abuse by the age of 25. The majority of men and women who report these encounters, report them as instances when they were minors. Today, I lament that 61% of adults surveyed across 25 states reported that they experience at least one type of adverse childhood experience. These experiences include but are not limited to things like violence, abuse, neglect, witnessing violence in the home or their community, growing up in a household with substance abuse, Today, I lament that 41% of women and 26% of men experience intimate partner violence. I lament that women, ethnic minorities, people with physical and intellectual impairments are at much higher rates of experiencing such abuses. Today, I lament The many who have sought churches to report abuse and have been met with disbelief, willing ignorance, and even the infliction of more harm. I lament having heard many sermons, Sunday school lessons, youth leader talks on the dangers of immodest dress, the harm of pornography and masturbation, the shame connected with premarital sex, but never have I once heard a single person in ministerial leadership publicly denounce predatory violence and sexual misconduct. These jarring statistics not only reflect the numerous victims of such harm, but also perpetrators. I lament silence. It's hard to talk about such things. It's hard to be asked to imagine the potential for harm in a place we come for solace and belonging for divine encounter. But if we do not talk about it, we fail to prevent it and we lose the opportunity to respond to such harms with care and healing. In 1923, Martin Buber, a Jewish Austrian theologian, wrote his classic book, I and Thou. In it, Buber describes the nature of how relationships function. He breaks these functions down into two main categories, I, it, relationships, and I, thou, relationships. I, it, relationships are kind of our knee-jerk response. They function by viewing others as objects, as a thing that can be possessed as a small part of our story. But Buber also talks about another function of relationships, the I-thou relationship. Or more current translations describe this as the I-you relationship. In IU relationships, people are enabled to see one another not as an object, but as a spiritual being as something whole and full unto themselves full of dignity and purpose and promise. There's nothing to possess in an I-Thou relationship simply to be in relation to. Of the I-you relationship, Buber says, here is the cradle of actual life. And I wonder if this I-thou encounter isn't what all of us yearn for in this space. An I-thou encounter with the divine, an I-thou encounter with one another to encounter one another as I, thou. This is what we are called to as sojourners on the path of discipleship. To see one another is not as its, but as you's, as thou's. To recognize the divine spark of life in one another and honor each person as the subject of the story that is unfolding before them. Not simply those sub-characters in our narratives, but the heroes and recipients of their own epic journeys. This i relationship is what we long for the, for the children here at East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church. It's what we hope they receive when they come in this place that they be treated and seen as human beings worthy of dignity, respect, and safety. Guiding our congregation in this commitment is the work of Safe Church. And we work together thinking about important questions like how can we uplift the dignity of the children here? What protective measures can we have in place to prevent harm? How can we teach children in our congregation to communicate their desires and their feelings and to communicate discomfort and concern? How can we conduct ourselves so that children feel free to express those feelings? And how do we guide adults to receive that well? To accept that a kid doesn't wanna hug, or a high five in the moment, and that is their prerogative. How do we teach our congregation to report concerns and hold one another accountable to respond to concerns appropriately? And how can we care for and stand in solidarity with those who have experienced harm? This is good work. But it is not just the work of the Safe Church Committee. It is our work, all hands on deck, collectively. We bear the responsibility to make each Chestnut Street Mennonite Church the safest place it can be. And we believe that our work in creating Safe Church for children is connected to our calling, to making East Chestnut a safe place for all who enter here. We invited people to bring orchids today because orchids are a symbol of strength, which we honor today in people who are survivors of harm. It is also a symbol of integrity, which we uphold and commit to as a congregation. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. It is still my favorite hymn.